0: Thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do, God. Open the windows of heaven, Father. We need you. Our church needs you. Our city needs you. Your people need you. So God, open the windows of heaven and pour out on us today. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I got one, one other thing here that we want to do right before I do my message, and that's Pastor James is going to, he's starting to start, starting Salt Life Ministries, and he's going to start next Sunday. He's been supporting us and being here with us while he's planting a church, and he, next, starting next Sunday, he's, he's got a couple families, and he's going to go out and launch out a, a church. And so, Pastor James, if you, if, you, if you would come, and if your family wants to come, with you, I want to pray over you real fast, um, because he's been a blessing to us. He's supported us. He's come here and, and, and come and served in when we had outreaches and stuff, and uh, he's been supportive and, and done everything and, and said, Pastor, whatever I can do for you, let me know. He's, he's had the greatest heart, and so as he goes forth and tries to, to, to reach the harvest, we're just going to believe that God's going to touch and bless, and I just want to honor him today in that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for Pastor James right now and his family, Father, that you bless them, that you encourage them. As he goes out into the fields where the the harvest is, God, send him laborers. God, send him workers. God, send him people. God, most of all, send him souls. God, raise him up to be what you've called him to be. Thank you for his support, God. And because of his support that he's had for this church, God, that he's trying to just not be selfish, God. He's out just saying, Lord, I just want to be a part. I want to serve. I want to help. And because of that, God, I pray because of his heart that you bless him exceedingly abundantly above, above, God, what he asks or thinks. Send people to him, God. Let creative ideas come to him, God. Open doors of opportunity for him in the community that he's going in, God. And we thank you. We pray that you bless his family as they stand beside him and stand with him. And we just bless him in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God for what you're about to do in Pastor James' life. Be blessed today, God, by his submission to you and his honor to you and his obedience to you. God, this is a hard, hard times, God, to try to start a church. But God, we're, we here at this church are proof, that it, does, it doesn't matter, that you can sustain and that you can grow and that you can move regardless of the situation around us because it's not about what's happening around us, it's what's about what's happening in us. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Amen, amen. Well, praise God. Today, we know, we've been talking about the fight, right? We've been talking about the fight the last couple, three weeks. We talked about that. Today, we're going to talk about the the fight for marriage, okay? So if you're single, it's okay because you may be married one day, and if you're not going to be married, you may be dating. And so if you're dating, you need to know these things. And if you're not going to get married and you're not dating, you might have a friend that... That needs some advice, right? <laughs> so we're going to talk about this today. Um, and, you know, the la- la- last couple weeks, I think the first week I talked about, at the very beginning, I talked about Muhammad Ali and how he was a trash talker and how fun that was and what a great example he was in, in a fighting community. Last week we talked about George Foreman um, and, and, and his, his powerhouse that he had and how he got hit in the head a lot and said some crazy stuff, right? Well, th- something that i want to talk about today is that, that Joe Lewis is another one. You know, up in Detroit, there's a big old iron fist out there in Detroit of, of Joe Lewis. And, and he fought, and he was a champion for 12 years. And fought, he defended that championship 12, I mean, 25 times. So, man, he was a beast. He was known for his power. But I, by all that, I get all that just to say this comment that he made. He was known for his knockout power, but, but this is what he said that, that everybody talks about. Joe Lewis said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And we're talk, they talk, he's talking about physically, but also he's talking about spiritually. You know, nobody wants to die to our flesh. We want what we want. We want what feels good. We want what, what we like. We want a free pass. We want to get saved and be satisfied and go to heaven with no fight, no issues, no nothing. I don't want to go through a battle. I don't want to fight for what I believe in. I just want to get saved and hold on and just make it, Right? We want that free ride. That's just not how it works. It's not how it works. I have a bumper video, but I'm not going to show it because for sake of time because we've had a lot going on today. So, so I want to just move right in and give you a quick recap of what we talked about. For those of you who have a, some people here today that w- weren't with us, and so I want, to, uh, I want to share a recap. Life is like a fight. Actually, life is a fight. Amen? You know, and, we, and what we want in this fight is we want to be a Christian. We want to be comfortable. We want to relax. We don't want to fight. We want the easy way out. But the thing is, is the only way you have that is if you are serving the enemy. You know, there is no fight. When you, whenever you, you, you got somebody that wants to capture you, there's a fight and struggle until you've captured. Once you're captured, there is no fight because they have you. You know, you say, well, hey, well, but I'm not, you're going through a, a, a spiritual fight. I'm not going through a fight. Well, here's the thing is, once you die, your fight begins. Once we die, our fight ends. And so we got to understand that, is that, that, that this fight is going on in our life, and, and we, we end up fighting, and, and, but every fight makes us stronger. Every time the enemy takes a blow to you and and, and takes a wind out of you, God's like, that's okay, I got you. I'll, I'll turn that out for your good. Every time that we get knocked down, Um, God's like you know what you did that you took that punch I'm here for you I'm gonna turn all that around and the enemy meant that for bad you're gonna get up and you're gonna be even stronger even better it's like it's like teenagers when you're out there working out for you're playing football probably and all this kind of stuff baseball you're out there you get hit the pads you get down you do something wrong you get hit hit you get the wind knocked out of you you get up you're like I learned from that and what we got to do, the important thing for us to do is when we do get hit, when we do get knocked down spiritually, that we understand that we learn from that and move forward because God's going to turn it around for our good, okay? And so 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I fought the fight, I've ran the race, I've finished the course. And we've got to understand that Paul talks about fighting through this whole thing. He's a great example of someone who fought and never gave up. He was left for dead, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was shipwrecked, he was, he was punched, he was put in prison. He was, man, he just went through the ringer and he kept fighting, and look at the wonderful things that God did for him in his life. And it's a spiritual fight. We talked about it. it's a spiritual fight. It's not a fleshly fight. And we've got to understand that, that we're not fighting in the flesh. We want somebody that we can punch when I'm mad. I want somebody I can hurt. I want somebody that I can make pay. But God's like, That's my, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You let me handle things for you. Because if you handle it, you may go too, too, too wild out, or you may not even do enough. Let me handle it. I'm perfect. I know exactly what to do and how to handle it. So it's a spiritual fight, and, we, and the enemy has waged war against your soul. And we talked about last week that you may not even know it. No matter where you're at, whether you're in this room, you're out in your car, in the spirit realm, there's angels and demons fighting every day over your soul. Trying to get you to turn. Trying to distract you. Trying to get you to look this way. Trying to get you to do this. Trying to get you to do that. Trying to get you to compromise. Trying to get you to sin. Trying to get you to, to give up. Trying to get you to quit. And there's an enemy of the souls that's fighting you. And he can fight harder than you. But if you're fighting from, from victory, not fighting, as we say, we're not we're fighting from victory, not for victory. You're not trying to win. You already won you're already guaranteed to win. So it doesn't matter how hard he fights. He can fight hard as he wants to. All he can do is gum you to death. Because of the fact that he, he's, a, he is, he's like a roaring lion. He made, he's got this big long growl and roar, right? But he ain't got no teeth. He ain't got no bite. God took that bite from him whenever he defeated the death hell in the grave. So he can't bite you. He can't, he can't do that. But all he can do is, is talk to you and try to get you to, 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 to quit, trying to get you to give up. And if you're fighting from the standpoint of victory, then you're going to be okay. And I said it on social media, and I said it last couple of weeks, but I want you to understand this. You have won every spiritual fight you've been in. Because you're here today, you're at church, you're still serving God. If you had lost the fight, then you wouldn't be serving God today. So you've won every one of them, right? So, so anything that you're going through today or tomorrow, don't worry. Just keep fighting because you are a winner. And our scripture is is Ephesians 6 and 12. This is our our, uh, series scripture. For we fight, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and uh, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, it's a spiritual battle, but the enemy is the one we're fighting. John 10.10, 10 um, he says, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come to bring life and life more abundantly. The problem comes when we quit fighting the enemy and we start fighting God. Amen. And we're like, God, this is your fault. Look what you did to me. Look what you caused. Look, look what's going on in my life. You, you, did. God's like, I come to bring life and life more abundantly. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the enemy's like, <laughs> I did it again. I made him think it was God's fault. And they believed it. Hook, line, and sinker. They're blaming God. He's the same. He died for them, and they still think that he's the one that caused it. He gave his life. He gave his son for them. He died. He rose from the dead grave. He defeated me, and somehow I've already got him. Decided to get mad at him. He loves that. You know, it's like an Indiana Jones movie. You know, whenever he walks up, he's got this, this, this. this he's got this little tiny whip. And then all of a sudden, this other man comes up with this big, massive sword. Anybody remember that story? He's coming with this big old, huge sword, you know, right here. You know, and, and Indiana Jones pulls out a gun and just shoots at <laughs> me. And he says, he brought a sword to a gunfight. And when you fight in the flesh, you're outmanned and outgunned. You will lose. You will get defeated. You will get beat down. But when you fight in the spirit, all you need is a sword. Because it ain't about guns fighting in the spirit. In the spirit, all you need is this two edged sword that is, that is sharper than two, any two edged sword, and it cuts going and to, coming and going, right? And so it's a spiritual battle, a battle. And the enemy will have us outgun and outman if we continue to fight in the flesh. The reality of the Bible is that Jesus brought us victory from the cross. That is our victory. The battle's already won. And as I said last week, please understand, you're fighting from victory. You're not fighting for victory. The battle's already won. You've already got the championship. You ha- are a winner as long as you fight in Christ and from Christ. So today, we're going to talk about fighting for your marriage. We're saying today, we want you to understand, and I'm not, don't, I didn't mean fight for your marriage with you and your spouse. I ain't talking about y'all fighting each other, right? No, my whole point of this today is not to fight um, with your spouse. Fight for your spouse. Fight for your spouse. Let me read the scripture here Ephesians 5 21 through 33, real quick. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as a lord. Okay, let me stop a second. That's where everybody gets all upset. Uh, They think it means that that, that, uh, my husband, he thinks or she thinks that he's going to be a dictator, that he's a lorder, that he's going to tell her what to do. You got to do this, woman. And that's just not what that means. That is not what it means. Because the scripture right before that says, and furthermore, submit to one another. Matter of fact, if you go all the way back to the original Greek, it says, for wives... To your husbands, They don't even say submit, okay? But that submit is talking about subjecting yourself, honoring, desiring to please, and 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 respecting your husband, because God has made him the head of the house, the head of the spiritual spiritual home, right? And so it says, for the the husband is to um, is to the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church he is the savior of his body the church as a church submits to christ so your wives should submit to your husbands in everything talking about spiritual um for husbands this for husbands okay stop so why this is how wives submit for husbands it doesn't say submit but this that's what it's saying this is how you submit your submission is that you love your wives as christ loved the church that he gave his life um, to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word, he um, he did this to present her to Himself as a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. So he's saying you need to love your wife so much that you are willing to sacrifice your life, that you are sacrifice everything for her. Amen. Instead, it says well, you will be holy without fault. Um, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. What, well, what does that mean? Well. You love her like you love your own body. You take care of your body. You clean your body. You dress your body. You take care. You, you, you do all kind of good things for your body. You want to take care of it. You want to help it. You want to protect it, right? So you want to do everything you can. Um, and so it says for, himself, for his own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of the body. And as scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and they are un- two are united as one. You leave and you cleave. Okay? So you can't, you can't go into a marriage with your spouse and then go back and still be a mama's boy, whatever. you got, you got to leave and cleave. You are now one. You are separated from your family. You are now one. This is a great ministry, but mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Um, see, and you're like, well, 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 I don't understand the respect thing. The the, the submit. Listen, you got the Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They all submit to one another. Jesus submits to God, but they're all God. But Jesus is God. They're one, but they submit to one another. They don't fight. Because they're all in one mind and one accord. This scripture should never, ever, ever, hardly ever come into a a place. Because if you're truly one, you love one another. You're fighting for one another. You'll be in one mind and one accord. You'll sacrifice for one another. You'll always work it out. And there'll never have to be an issue. That's how God ordained it to be. Like the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's a family. Right? And so, um, men... Men just don't get it a lot of times, and they feel like that, 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 that sometimes, like, hey, I'm supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to, do the Lord, I'm supposed to control. And it's not about control, it's about submission, actually. And so, what is marriage? Well, marriage began when, when God created Adam and Eve. And God looked at Adam and said, Look, you need somebody, you need a helpmate, you need somebody that's going to care for you, you need somebody that's going to love you, you need somebody to help you, be beside you, and you're going to help her. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this woman. He's like, What's she going to be like? What's she going to be like? He said, she's going to love you. She's going to cook and she's going to clean for you. She's going to do whatever you tell her. She's not going to ask any questions. She's going to give you back rubs every night. She's going to do whatever you need. You sit and relax and she'll do all the work in the kingdom. You don't worry about it. He said, okay, that sounds good. How much is that going to cost? He said, an arm and a leg. He said, well, what can I get for a rib? (laughs) Okay, that's funny. No, but but see, the thing is, 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 is. But he bought the rib. The rib is right here. The rib. He didn't get a rib from the back. He didn't get a rib from the back. He got a rib from the side. Y'all are supposed to be side by side. The man is not supposed to be in front of the woman or behind the woman. She's supposed to be is side by side. He's supposed to walk together. You are one. That was just a joke. In case you didn't know that, that really didn't happen. It's not. That's not in Genesis. <laughs> okay. Um, but it actually says that bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. See, marriage is God's idea. He created marriage. And when God has an idea, he always blesses what his idea is. He's got two different people in this world. They are both selfish. They are both individuals. They are both moody, both impatient. They come together as one, and all of a sudden, they have this passion, this desire, this emotion, and a oneness and a unity that becomes between them. And then all of a sudden, you throw in some kids, and you have a family. Um, and, and it represents us, the family. God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit is a family. And then the bride, the, the bride, the church is the bride of Christ. It's a marriage. Whenever we leave here and after we have to go to heaven, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. God is all about marriage. Okay. God wants you to your marriage to win. Marriage is a covenant. It is not a promise. It is not a commitment. It is a covenant between the two of you and God. Um, Commitment in spite, it's a commitment and it's, it's a covenant in spite of your feelings and emotions. Marriage is not 50 50. It's 90 10, 70 30, 80 20 based on a scenario in your lives. It's, sometimes you got to give 100 and you get nothing because there's going to be a day that you need 100 and, and you don't, and you that you give 100 and don't get nothing. So you got to understand it, it, it's, it's it's back and forth. Commitment. It, it, it's not. I need you because I love you. I mean, it's I need need you because I love you. It's not I love you because I need you. If you find somebody that says I love you because I need you, you will forever be trying to meet that need in that person's life, and you can't do it. You need to have someone that needs you because they love you. So I looked up covenants and did some research on covenants. And it said, this is what the the, the commentary said. Using the Lord's name in the oath directly appeals to his involvement regarding the testimony and establishes him as a supreme enforcer and judge. Oaths that use God's names carelessly are condemned. When um, applied to marriage, then, the two pledge their lives to one another to God by oath. It is a lifetime commitment. There should, be not, there should be no divorce. The only two reasons for divorce is unmarital faithfulness and abuse. That's, that's the reasons uh, that, you, that, that, that is permissible. But we live in a day when we don't understand the concept of keeping our word. We aren't promise keepers, he said. We make lifetime decisions with short-term commitments. We, we think, we think um, marriage is graduate school for dating when actually it's getting your master's. It's the end. It's, a, it's, not, it's not the middle part. It's the end. It's the final part. So when I say I do, know that you're making a covenant for a lifetime, no matter what. Someone explained, he said, I didn't know what I was getting what I what I was getting into until I got married, but then it was too late. Marriage is like twirling a baton, uh, turning handsprings, or eating chopsticks, he said. It looks easy till you try it. And then you go through the process. And, so the, 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 that's, and that's the problem is so many people uh, like to try to try it ahead of time. They like to shack up first. And so what you happen is, is you, you shack up and you, you're living together because you want to try it out to see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then you want to leave. Marriage says, I don't care if you snore. We'll get through it. I don't care if you leave your drawers on the floor in the bathroom every morning. We're going to get through it. I don't care what it is. I don't care if there's some little itty-bitty things that we're incompatible with. We're going to work through it because I'm making a covenant with you between you and God, and there is no option of we're just going to try it. So marriage does that, okay? And so Pastor Tim Keller, I love what he says. He says the essence of marriage then is not the de- declaration of love. This is not the declaration of present love. More important than that. It is, the, it is a declaration of future love. Um, it's to say that I love you is it, um, it's not mar- To say I love you is not marriage. You can say that and not be married. Marriage is not the declaration of present love. It's the binding promise of future love. It's a promise not to feel warm and loving all the time because someone can promise that. It's a promise that loving and tender and faithful and cherishing and serving. See these action words regardless of the ups and downs of emotions um, or or circumstances long term through thick and thin. That we're going to be in this together no matter what. That's why in the marriage ceremony I say for better for worse, through richer for poor, to death do us part. It's it's a marriage unto death. Okay. Okay. And we have to understand that. And marriage feels like a fight sometimes. And you, you're, what you're saying when you're married is sometimes I'm going to get so mad at you, I'm not even gonna really go, I may not even feel love for you right then. But just because I don't feel love for you, I'm so mad in a moment, does not mean I won't want a divorce. It does not mean that I want to out of this marriage because I'm in it to win it with you. I'll get over it. We'll get over it. We'll move forward. Because, and you've got to understand that that's a commitment. I mean, a covenant that you make. So what does a marriage do? Marriage makes us both better. We're better together. A marriage will make you better. One falls, you have somebody to help pick you up. It makes you stronger together. You're not walking alone. You know, marriage makes us more like Jesus. You know, God is more concerned about making us holy than making us happy. God wants to purify us. Marriage makes us less selfish. Now, if you are, are single, let me say this, if you are single and you do not have a relationship with Jesus like you need to be, do not even entertain um, be, being married, because if you can't focus enough time while you're single to spend time, the appropriate time with God, when you get married and then you got to split your time between God and your wife, then you definitely won't make it, or your husband. So we got to understand that 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 sometimes we jump in it too soon when we don't even have the proper relationship with God in the first place. God's already on the back burner. You get married, it's going to get even worse. So what 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 does marriage require? Marriage requires pursuit guys we 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 are born with this chasing a woman thing right so that's what we do when you're teenagers you chase women right and you know we will always chase some a woman but here's the thing once you get married you quit chasing women and you chase your woman okay you never stop chasing her you never start initiating conversations and love and stuff you never stop leading her only chase and commit to that one. At that point, she's the one that you commit to. She's the one that you love. You chase her. The problem is, is a lot of times, once we get married, a lot of times the chase is over, and then all of a sudden, you're good because you've, you've caught the prey, right? And she's not a prey, and he's not a prey. Because if you keep on with this little itty-bitty itty stuff, you know, with this puppy love, puppy love leads to a dog's life. Okay? <laughs> What, you're, what we need to do is find out what makes her tick, what makes him tick. Um, Gary Chapman has his five, lo- five love languages. Five love languages. <laughs> Somebody said, somebody's already telling her husband, I like ice cream. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? Okay, but here, here's the five love languages. So You've got to find out what makes them tick. This is so important for you to know. If you don't know today, when you get in your car, it's one of the first things you need to do. Is, what is your love language? Just talk about this. Because this is how you minister to your wife, to your husband. Um, Number one, quality time. You just like to hang out. Number two, acts of service. I like for you to take out the trash. I like it when you do, you know, we all like stuff like that, but sometimes it really means a lot for somebody when you do acts of service, okay? Okay, then physical touch. Words of affirmation and receiving gifts. Now, here's the thing. If you like physical touch and she likes quality time, you touching on her is not meeting her need. Being with, I was with you for 10, I was with you for a while, right? So being with, she, quality time is no, touch. just be with me. I don't want, no, I don't want you to hug me. I don't want you to kiss me. I just want you to be with me. That's quality time. Okay, same way. If if, if you like receiving gifts and there and, and your, your spouse or your husband, if you like receiving gifts, but your spouse is, is um, affirmation of words, word affirmation, then you constantly giving him gifts is not making him tick. He probably likes it. But he wants to hear, I love you, I'm proud of you, you're doing a good job, you're a good husband, you're a good father, you're handsome today, I love you, I care, he needs that. So you're giving him all these gifts because it's your love language, there's nothing for him. You have to know what their love language is, and you meet their love language while they are trying to meet your love language. Does that Make sense? So so you didn't know you are going to have a little, little marriage class, did you, a little mini-seminar? You know, but in a marriage, you have an, most of the time, you have an extrovert and an introvert. It does not make one more than the other. My wife is an introvert, and I'm an extrovert. Y'all know that. I introduce her, and she's like, this is who I am, you know? You know, that's how we do with places. I introduce, and she just waves, you know? And, you know, but the thing is, it does not make her any less than me just because I got a big mouth, and she doesn't. It doesn't make her any less important than me. You know, it doesn't make her put behind me. You have, and, and whenever you deal with situations, you have a distancer and you have a pursuer. The, the distancer says, okay, when we get an argument, I've got to get away. I need some time. I need some space. A pursuer says, we're going to talk about this right now. Okay? So the problem is, is whenever you want to talk about it right now and your spouse says, I need some space, you really don't want to talk about it right now. You will hear things, raw emotions that you are not prepared for. Okay? Now, but if you want to get away, you got to understand the opposite: that they are mad, they are super mad. The longer you wait, the more mad they get. Right? So you got to have a happy medium. You got to you don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Do it before midnight. Go ahead and talk and say, hey, we're talking an hour. We're talking two hours. You got to schedule a time. You have to communicate. If not, you're just constantly mad at each other. Okay. And so then you have, you have these six differences about each other. Men prefer to discover and express facts, just the facts, ma'am. And women pay closer attention. They're more emotional and more feeling-oriented. Men like tasks and goals. I want a task. I want a goal. This, I want to get married. That's what I want I want my wedding night. That's what I want. And then women like prefer sympathy and sharing and nurturing. They're feelings-oriented. Men see marriage as a conquest. I made it. I, I've had my honeymoon. I've conquered right? Um, And women see marriage as a constant journey and and a growing project. They see it as a long-term journey. They don't see it just as that. Men are object-oriented, and women are person-centered. And men, we got to be, we got to get to the place where we don't look at you know that, you know, some people say it in jest, but, but, but just personally me, when I hear somebody else, another man say, this is my old woman, you know, talk just, just, and I'm like, that's, she's not an object, she's just not your old woman, that's not, that's, not, that's not proper, right, it always bothers me in my spirit when someone says that, because you got to respect one another. Men separate who they are from their surroundings. Women blend in who they are in their surroundings. What I mean by that, men's at work, I'm working, okay, men feel, when a woman calls a man at work and says, I love you, he's like, why are you calling me at work? I'm working. I love you. Well, I told you I love you. When I, when I change my mind, I'll let you know. I'll see you at home tonight, right? You can call a woman at, at work. I love you all. Oh, thank you, honey. I just love Thank you so much. That makes made my day. The point, the thing is, is that, that, that we, men, we got to get out of that and, and help understand that our wife, during in the middle of the day, may need to be affirmed and loved and cared for, and we got to take ourselves out of, I know I'm at work, but I'm married first, right? And so I got to take care of her and share that. We can't be so... so, so You know, hey, I'm doing this. You leave me alone. That's not how it's supposed to work. Men take their identity from what they do. Men feel successful because they have succeeded in something. Women get their identity from relationships. I'm successful because I'm married. I'm successful because I have children. I'm successful for whatever. But you got to be careful in that because if not, you will dishonor your mate. And when you dishonor your mate, you close their spirit off. You will never. We we really don't have any a lot of any controversy here, anything that I need to correct. We haven't had that yet, hardly in seven years, uh, almost seven years, and I don't expect to have much of it. But if I ever was going to correct somebody, I would never correct them before service, because they're going to come. I'm going to correct them. They're going to come in here. They're going to sit here and look at me, and their spirit's going to be closed off. I don't want to hear nothing I got to say, right? So same way with you. When you talk to your spouse and you've offended them, then you're going to close their spirit off, and they don't want to hear what you got to say. It causes physical and emotional distance. It causes resistance to you. It causes coldness and demotivation, bitterness and hatred, and, and they cut you off, right? Just all around. And then, and how, do I, how can I overcome that? If I do close my, my spouse's spirit, how can I overcome that? I honor them through acts of kindness and touch. I, here's a big, big one, two big ones. I admit faults and mistakes. See, in men, that's the one that we have a hard time with, admitting that we're wrong. And then, number three, We accept blame and say, you know what? It was my fault. I'm sorry. Ask and seek forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Please forgive me. And work towards kindness, gentleness, and tenderness. That's how you get through that process. That's how you slowly open the spirit back up, right? Um, And and, and being being married commands loyalty and unswavering commitment. You leave your mother and father and cleave to your spouse. And you've got to also understand that your spouse has to be a higher commitment than your children. We love our children. We'll do anything for our kids. But one day your kids will be up, out, and married themselves, and it's just y'all two. And if you do not put your spouse first the whole marriage, whenever you have any syndrome, y'all won't know each other. It's like, because you put you, another thing, this is just this is, this is something small, but it's something for you to think about. You got to be careful how much you let your kid at will just come in the middle of the night and get in between you two and separate you. Because of the fact that's fine. I understand sometimes they're sick and that kind of stuff. But you don't want them to think that anytime they want to they can come separate y'all. They need to understand me and mama, me and daddy are one. And you know what? You and your spouse will be one. You need to teach them how it's supposed to be. Because if you teach them someone can come between you. When they get married they'll feel that someone can come between them. And you got to share with them and love them. So how do I do all that? Well, you have a regular date night, unless you're a pastor. Okay. <laughs> There's no telling when I'm getting called out. No telling. Just any time, and that's fine. I love it. So what do we do? Our date night is when Cindy goes to Nana and Papa's, or she goes spends the night with a friend. Sometimes that's twice a week, and sometimes that's once a week. Sometimes that's not for a couple weeks. But we know that every time she goes somewhere you know, then we're going to make time for that. Now, you know, if you're, if you're, like, if you're like the Nortons over here and you got 50 kids, you got to plan very strategically for that. You know? And you got to talk to your parents, talk to your friends, and say, hey, somebody needs to help me. I need some time alone with my husband and my wife, all right? Okay, so date nights. Number two, connect spiritually. Try to do devotions with each other when you can. Try to pray with one another. It is so much easier for you to probably pray with a stranger than it is for you to pray with your spouse for some reason. And I don't understand why that happens, but sometimes it's harder. Have have your quiet time. And then connect with things, connect with them with things besides kids, besides work, and besides church. Talk with them about who they are and what you love about them. And Jesus has to be the center of it all because we're prone to when we don't like something anymore or we're done with it, to discard it. Marriage is not that. That's not an option with marriage. It's not a discarded thing. It's not. Dating sets you up. Dating is not even biblical. It's not even biblical. Look at it. Nobody can show me anywhere where dating is biblical. Because it just sets you up for divorce. I'm going I'm to date you. I don't like the way you look. You talk to him. You talk to her. You did this. You treated me. I'm done with you. That's not, that's not a good process for you know, you know, you need. You, you, I know you got to go out with somebody and that kind of stuff, but it's not not, not dating. I, I guess old school used to call it courting. You just, there's no commitment there. You know, you, you're, you're talking and you decide, You pray, you pray, you pray. Let God say. So there, there's several people that I know that they they didn't even date, they didn't court, they didn't do nothing. They said, "I'm gonna know when he comes in my life. I'll know. I'll know." Um, and it was uh, uh, Tiffany Dyson, Sherry Dyson. She said, "I'll know it." She was like tw- almost 30 something years old. She said, "I'll know when he comes in my life. I'll know." She said, "I'm not gonna date." But when he comes, I'll know, and he came, and she's happily married and got kids and all that. You has got to trust God with that. Two, 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 two Christians should be able to work it out. So I don't care what you go through in your life. If you're a Christian and, and they're a Christian, there should be nothing that you cannot overcome if it's God's will for your life. And unless there's unmarital faithfulness or abuse, if you're married. If you're dating, then that's a different story. There's, there's different scenarios for that. But if you are married, there's nothing... God's will is for you to stay together. There's nothing, if, both, if you love God, she loves God, he loves God, y'all together, there's nothing that can break that bond. Y'all can all, God will always be able to work that out unless there's unmarital faithfulness and, 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 uh, or abuse, and that's something else that you got, something totally different. Um, you can come on um, up front and, and play for a moment if you would. Jesus helps us stay pure and true to our commitments, even when it doesn't make sense. A continual example and reminder is, is that this thing is bigger than me. It's more than just me. I got a wife or I got a husband and I got kids. I got to think about all this. You're being an example for them. You're being, a, you know, uh, helping them and, and talking with them. God has given us a victory and we have to stay in the driver's seat of that victory and not give the enemy the, the, the victory over us. And I know that was more preaching than it was preaching today, and that's okay. Because if I don't talk to you as husbands and wives, you know, then, and help you and give you some, some stuff like that, I'm not a good pastor. And I wanted to say it here in front of the teenagers that are in the room. Because I want them to understand how a marriage should be. It shouldn't be the way that a lot of them have seen it. It shouldn't be broken families and all this stuff. It happens sometimes. But all I can do is worry about me and help me and be what, the best that I can be. You trust God, you lean on God, and you say, God, I need your help. God, send me someone and you wait till God sends you the right person. But one could put a flight, a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand to flight. So you and your spouse, you hold each other tightly. You love each other. And if you're at a place right now today that you and your wife, your spi- your spouse, your wife, or your husband, you're having some issues, communicate. Talk. I welcome you back in my office and we'll, we'll talk together. I'll share with you. I don't take sides. I promise you I don't. Because if I take one side, I'm not going to help the other one. So, I, 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 have to be, I have to be mutual. But I want you to succeed. I want you married. I want y'all to be happily married. Just thinking about that, you know, Tabitha and Blake have a, a married couple, uh, a small group, a little plug. And that is the third Saturday night of every month, right here at the church, if you're married. Or you're dating, even. We they open it up to dating as well. If you're dating or married, we welcome you to come. We have a great time. We talk, we play, we laugh, and we do stuff like that. It's something that you could do with your spouse. I like that because, you know, I'm always moving around. So this is something that I could take my spouse and we can do together, and I love that. So we play pup-pup. We, we minister. We love. We talk. We do all kind of stuff. We eat. So, so it's a good thing for you to talk, um, talk to Tabitha and Blake if you want to get a part of that. But I just want to tell you, I want you to pray, and I want you to, to talk today. Ask your ask you matter of fact, you think you know your spouse's love language? Ask them. Say what what is it? Put them on the spot. Say do you know do you know what it is? They may get it wrong. If they get it wrong, don't look at it as negative. Look at it as my life is about to get better because now they know. Now since they know, now they can start doing the right thing. You know, I, I, I don't I don't want your gifts. I want time with you. You know gifts are nice, but here's what I need, what makes them tick. So I'm just I'm just happy to share that with you today. But would you by your hand close your eyes? I just want to make this transition and say maybe, you know, when, we, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're married to Christ. You're the bride of Christ. And Maybe you'll say today that I'm not the bride of Christ. I don't have Christ in my life. I'm not a Christian. I, I want to be married to Jesus. I want to have that relationship with him. I want that commitment, that covenant with him of eternity. And I, I want to fight for him. Next week, we're going to talk about fighting for your family and fighting in spiritual warfare. And we'll get to that next week. But but Hammy will say today, Pastor, like I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. But I want to be saved. I want Christ to come in my heart. I, I need this relationship. I need Jesus to come in my life and save me and purify me. Anybody know? better raise your hand and say I want to be a Christian okay. amen. well is there anybody here that would raise their hand and say you know I'm not, I don't want you to say you got a good or bad, bad marriage that does not matter you're just saying Pastor Doug pray that me and my spouse will have the best marriage that we possibly can have every, every man and woman should do it yeah, no elbow pushing just raise your hands and say you know what hey okay amen 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 I see you, buddy. I pray God brings you a a, a lady in your teenage years. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for these people in this room, these husbands and wives and these individuals, and even a young man that raises his hand saying, man, I want to have a relationship with someone. I want want someone special to come into my life. God, I pray that you make that happen for them. I pray that you help. Because, God, the more healthy marriages are in this church, the more healthy our church is, the more we can help others. And Father, I know it was different, God, but I don't apologize because I know this is what you had me do today and I know that that you're going to help marriages become closer because of this message that you have ordained and spoke through me and gave me words specifically to say for certain reasons that you may have. I don't know, about. Bless them, God. Make their marriages special. If If the flame is dying, I pray that you ignite a fire to it. If it's embers, put a fire to it and light it up, God. They'll be closer than they ever were before. God help them. Help them come to the young adult small group God so that, so we can even and help even more in that way you can find out with other, uh, what other people are going through and you can share and you can get closer to them and we become even more closer family. We thank you for that. We thank you for this day, God and we understand that we have to fight for our spouse, not with our spouse. because spouses fight differently. The way we grow, grew up, with our parents may not be the way that we need to handle conflict with our spouse everybody's different and we need to come to you God and ask for your help and I pray that your hands upon this church and the marriages of this church and that you help us become closer together so we can become more healthy for you so we can show our kids what a proper marriage should be like because in this society there's so many marriages that are falling apart and kids are thinking wow is that that an option? No it's not an option we're going to serve you we're going to do it together we're going to do it arm in arm with you jesus we honor you and thank you sir for all that you do in jesus name amen and amen amen next week we're going to talk about a little bit about fighting for your family and also we're going to talk about uh, spiritual warfare so god bless you you're a big deal to me and a bigger deal to god go in peace and happiness amen god bless you